Father, thank you for your word this morning. Holy Spirit, administrate it by the power, by the power and grace of your presence. Lord, it is your will that every time we open Scripture together, that, Lord, we learn by the power and the presence and demonstration of your Spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We're going to continue sharing on the centrality of Jesus as we are making Him Lord in all aspects of our heart and life, laying Him as the foundation, letting Him advance His kingdom, His rule within our hearts. And we've given ourselves to knowing His person, but also to knowing His works. If we're disciples of Jesus, we're followers of His, then we need to know what He came to do. And what we've looked at so far, He came to reintroduce God's kingdom to us by getting the Spirit of God back inside us. Number two, He came to destroy the works of the devil, came to initiate the new covenant. He came not to judge, but for judgment. And then uh, number five, He came to make disciples. And that's where we've kind of landed the last few weeks. And our definition here at Grace of a disciple is someone who abides in Him, lives connected to Him. Uh, each and every day we live in constant connection and communion with the Lord that leads to uh, walking in His ways, becoming more and more like Him, and then working His works. And of course, you know, here at Grace, as we define a disciple, lots of people talk about discipleship and ways to disciple and what one is. This is how we define it. And of course, we want this seasoned and sprinkled with Grace Church DNA. We want uh, each of you to be have a good understanding of a new covenant lens, the new covenant mindset of how we relate to God. Uh, and then secondly, that your identity is in Christ, not in how you feel or what somebody said about you. Uh, and then also that we are able to put God on display. This is something we really value. You've heard us say when people see us that they see Him. That's a common prayer of ours. Uh, and of course we live connected to Him. That's abiding. That's another uh, value that we have and uh, hold dear. And then of course partner with Him to make disciples and to reproduce His life in other people. So I've got some scripture for you. The first thing the Holy Spirit wants to do with you is to make you a knower. And, you know, we're, we've talked a lot about being a disciple and those things. And how many of you know it's the Lord's process? The Lord is ultimately in charge as we yield to Him. The most important thing is that we know Him. So what, what if He wants us to spend time, extra time, really getting to know Him so that we don't reproduce something other than Him? Amen. Uh, Brother Matt Bacon, I asked him to share. He had given a prophetic word a couple of weeks ago. I said, what was that word that you gave us? Are you ready? Hurrying delays the things of God. Hurrying delays the things of God. Let's not be in a hurry. And it's interesting. A couple of people, I just love the testimonies who have really come to know the Lord. Both of them, ladies, they had said, you know, I have been in church my whole life, but only here recently I feel like I've really got to know Jesus. I really met him and began to experience him by the Spirit. How many of you know he's alive and well? He's not just a historical figure. You can know him by the power of his Spirit. And so as these ladies have begun to know him and experience him, both of them in their zeal, we tend to get excited. Some of us more than others. But uh, both of them asked him, Sylvia, they, they asked the Lord, they're like, 
what do you want me to do? I've met you now. I'm so in love with you. And he said, nothing. I want you to get to know me. Sit with me. Spend time with me. Because hurrying can delay the things of God. And it's important for us to get that very first one abiding. Come follow me. Walk with me. Be in love with me. Share life with me. We get that super, super important. Look at John fourteen sixteen. Jesus said, I'm going to pray to the Father and he'll give you another helper, capital H. Who is that? Holy Spirit. That he may abide with you forever. He is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him. So that tells you something about the world right there. And because it doesn't see him, it doesn't know him. But you know him for he dwells with you and he will be where? In you. Verse 18. Now he shifts. Look what he says. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer in the world won't see me anymore. But oh, you'll see me. Because I live, you'll live also. He's going to the Father. He's going to live and reveal himself by the Spirit. Do you realize the disciples of Jesus' day knew him better after he left than when they were walking with him? That's because he had moved inside of them. And now the Spirit of truth, the teacher, the one to bring them into knowing, is now revealing who he is to them from the inside. That's what verse 20 is. Look at this. At that day that I come back to you in the person of the Holy Spirit, you will what? You will know. You will know that I'm in my Father. You are in me and I am in you. I know we want to go after, you know, man, the Holy Spirit. You got tongues. You got miracles. You got gifts of the Spirit. You got power. You get all that. The first role of the Holy Spirit is that you become a knower. That you know Jesus Christ personally. And experientially. So that one goes with abiding in Him. How about uh, walking in His ways? We're just talking about being conformed to the image of Jesus. I mean, if you know, if you spend a lot of time with Him, you begin to look more and more like Him. So look at Ephesians 4.13, New Living Translation. This will continue. What will? Well, he's talking about apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, etc. All this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son. Look at that. That we will be mature in the Lord. Just like you will your children to mature, God wills His children to mature. He desires it. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of... Amen. Who's the standard? Christ is. So next time you're, you're tempted to bring judgment on somebody or look down upon them, remember, they're not your standard. Christ is the standard. Verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children. So if we're not like Christ, there's some immaturity there. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever, they sound like the truth. Media, politics. Verse 15, instead we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Look at this. As every part does its share, does its own special work. That's how important you are. Everybody has a part to play. Look at this. It helps the other parts grow. Everybody say, I'm significant. Yes, you are, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. All right, so part of this process is we're living connected to Him, we're seeing Him, uh, and then in our seeing, our spending time with Him, we're becoming more and more 
like Him. This is not you working your head off to be like Jesus without Jesus. This is you spending time with Him, receiving of Him, hearing His voice, acclimating to His voice, sitting with Him in Scripture, letting Him teach you, learning to hear and obey. Amen. Not just hear, but hear and obey. And then get some good people around you, some spiritual family. They'll fight for your freedom. Uh, so that's becoming more like Him. And then the third one is uh, working His works. John fourteen twelve. Truly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. So abide ways works. It's how we define disciple. But again, it's super important that we know Him. That we really know Him. We spend time with Him. Uh, so that again, when, when His life is reproduced, it's His life. And we're not just passing on something else, you know, that we learned here or there. Um, becoming a knower, as I mentioned, we begin to know Him, then we begin to show Him, and then we begin to sow Him, which that's the works part. Uh, we start looking like Him. How about strongholds and things that don't look like Him start falling away? Residue left from when the previous administration was governing you. <laughs> Those things begin to fall away. The person you used to be. How many of you know if anyone's in Christ, they're a brand new creation. You're not who you used to be. Don't let the enemy tell you that. And he'll, he'll probably tell you, well, that's what you used to do. Well, that was just memory left over from the previous administration. I refuse to identify myself with who I used to be. Amen, somebody. Touch your neighbor and say, it is a process. So we all have a destiny, and it's not just going to heaven. But listen to this. It's not just sitting at the feet of Jesus 24 hours a day, which is what I would like to do. (laughs) I have a destiny that not just going to heaven, not just sitting at His feet, but being conformed to His image. I have a destiny to grow and mature to be like Him. In all aspects. As I mentioned, we want our kids to grow up. That was the biggest amen I got in first service was when I said, how many of you want your kids to mature? Like, oh yeah. And then I said, how many of you want to mature? Was... <laughs> yeah, I want my kids to grow up. I don't know about me. <laughs> you know, I believe that everything in life conspires for us to be mature, to grow up. I believe that. Because it's no fun when somebody slanders you or they're talking bad behind your back and you got all these feelings, you know, these emotions like, should I exact revenge on them? What am I going to do to them? I need to get a plan. Uh, maybe bitterness sets in. Then you carry a grudge for a while. How many, you're not happy in that. Why? Because you're made in the image of a God who is a forgiver. And who can love without condition. Now, it doesn't mean he wouldn't have you address it, speak truth in love about the situation. Hey, this this hurt me when this happened. But man, carrying all that grief and drama, staying up all night long, speculating, singing, Why Me, Lord? (laughs) Uh, No, that's no good. You need to start looking to Him. Our first response needs to be looking at Him, beholding His glory, because when we look at Him, we become like Him. And that's what we're talking about today. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Paul said, When I was a child, spoke as a child, I understood as a child, 
I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Part of your progression in Christ and spending time with Him, you're going to notice that childish things begin to fall away. You're, you're going to begin to notice growth and maturity if you're willing to participate. Okay, you don't cause your transformation. You consent to it. You participate with a transformed life because you continue to yield yourself to Him. You continue to look to Him. And the more you look at Him, the more you become like Him. More on that later. So putting away childish things, for us, it sounds like, how about no longer repaying evil for evil? We quit living by the mantra, He did it to me first. You can live by that mantra as long as you're talking about Jesus. See, why is that, why is that awesome? Because he would be the source for how you treat people. Is that not what he wanted in John 13, 34 and 35 when he said, a new command I give you? It's no longer love your neighbor as you love yourself because some of you don't love yourself and so you don't love your neighbor. So he said, I want you to love one another just like I love you. Let me be the source. And then he said, for by this type of love, this supernatural love, this God-sourced love, people will know you're my disciples. How about that? Powerful, powerful truth. So we're going to put away evil for evil. We're going to put away self-centeredness. How about, how about this one? I remember James wrote about our tongue. <laughs> That's about how they were in first service, Sylvia. He said, Brethren, it ought not to be so that out of the same mouth you're praising God. We got bitter water, poison coming out. Yeah, that's part of your growth. That's part of your maturity that he's Lord of your mouth. Lord of your attitude, your actions, that your mouth, you don't build cases in your mind to justify bad behavior. We're putting away childish things because of who we are in Christ. Boy, it's built into you to be conformed to His image, especially as you're looking to Him. Jesus said one of the ways, or many of the ways that we can We can put away childish things. How about abide in him? He said, abide in my love. He said, abide in his word. He said, know the truth. He said, follow me. And then he said, belong to me in John 15. I'm paraphrasing. But he said, the world loves its own because they belong to its own. But you don't belong to the world. You belong to me. So they don't love you like that. I want to say this. You know, it's not us working our head off to walk in his ways and be conformed uh, to his image. We, we consent. And can I give you a little advice from someone who's made many mistakes, done many big pieces of stupid? I hope this helps you. You still have the power of choice. You have to always remember that, who you're going to choose to love. So when you stumble, yes, you chose wrong. And now you've got these feelings, these icky feelings, and then you've got, hopefully, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, which is not icky, but life-giving, that, hey, that's not who you are. Let's get up and renew your mind. But remember, if you stumble, you still have the power of choice. If you want to give the devil a black eye, stand up and choose Christ after a failure. Amen? Choose Him. Maybe maybe you did let something fly. Maybe words came out of your mouth and you were appalled. 
Don't, don't go in the hole of no impact and bury yourself with the devil's shovel. You chose wrong. You let that fly you shouldn't have. So now choose him. Get up and choose him. And remind the accuser of the brethren that you weren't made right with God because you never did anything wrong. You were made right with God because the Son of the living God made you right with God. Come on, give Him praise in the house of God. Amen. You still got the power of choice. Tell your neighbor you still got a power of choice. So as you begin to see Him, as you look to Him... You begin to look like Him because now He's your source. He's the source of your actions, your attitude. He's the vine. You're receiving of Him. That's Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, and patience. All that is being produced. I mentioned John 13, 34 and 35. How about Acts 4, 13? They knew that, speaking of the disciples, they knew they had been with Jesus because they started looking and acting like Him. I want to read this for you from one of my good brothers sent this to me because I sent out on a, a group group message to some guys that I walk with and walk with me and my question was would you guys share with me some of the ways that the Lord conforms you to his image so I had a good brother send this to me he said well for me the Lord waits until I have uh, till I strive myself into despair <laughs> And then he washes over me. Listen to the words here. Then he washes over me with his love and continually reminds me that it's all about his power and his love and not mine. You know what I love about this? It's relational. He's sitting with the Lord. He's hearing the Lord's voice. Now, it sounds like during all his striving, he could have been listening better, but... (laughs) But then listen what he says. Then typically he'll, he releases some revelation to me. And at that point, I've rested in his love. And he shows me how the last couple of months, even while I was striving, it wasn't all in vain. That ultimately he's in control and he's using it to shape me and teach me the whole time. That in turn gives me great joy and great peace. And that helps me, uh, Love those around me better. Okay, isn't that great? I heard love, I heard joy, I heard peace. All fruit of the Spirit. But the Lord is relational. Not condemning. But relational, even taking the times that He's out there striving super hard, and we've all done it. Taking those times and redeeming them. Teaching Him how to be more and more like Him. And the other beautiful part about that Not only is that uh, text relational between he and the Lord, but it's relational between he and I because I'm in close fellowship with him. So now I can encourage him. I can walk with him. I know something a little more about him. Does that make sense? Where we can help one another. I love his willingness for his own personal veils to come down so he and his family can see the glory of the Lord. He's not just asking for him. He wants his family to see the Lord in him. So he's willing to live connected and to keep going when he stumbles. Here's 2 Corinthians 3.18. Look at this, guys. But we all with unveiled face. Church, he has unveiled your face. He has married you. There's no separation, okay? He's unveiled your face. Now look, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. 
And you're being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's so powerful. What that word behold means, beholding as in a mirror, means to be held by. Literally to be held by Him. So what he's saying is, when we're beholding His glory, we start looking like Him. That's why abiding is so important. Sitting with Him in Scripture is so important. Worshiping this morning is so important. Did you know everything that's happened so far today, you can experience at home? But the enemy, enemy, as soon as you walk out these doors, is going to try and put your eyes somewhere else. And yet right here is a key to the kingdom of God. If you will sit with Him, look to Him, look at Him, you'll become more and more like Him. It'll be sweatless. It's effortless. How many Christians throughout the years have tried to fix themselves by looking at themselves? Over and over again, looking at their failure, looking at what's wrong with them, looking at what they have to change. Why don't you try looking at Him? You'll never fix yourself by looking at yourself. And why is this? Because we will be what we see. And that's why I caution you about CNN. It's why I caution you about media. Or I mean, I'm not, CNN's easy to remember. But I pick MSNBC. I don't care. I'm not biased to any of them. But if all you're doing is piping in the world and its, and its opinions, man... You will be what you see. How about this? What we do not see, we cannot be. So who do you think's behind all the distractions? The enemy. He wants to keep your eyes off of the one whose image, the only one whose image you're created to wear. So when you look at Him and the glory of the Lord, like in worship today, we're filled with joy. We're strengthened. There's love in the room. You can feel it. There's a peace of God in your heart. You can feel it. Nobody feels like punching anybody during worship. Am I right? Did anybody get punched? Did anybody go over and just accost somebody during worship? Why? Because we're beholding Him, so we're like Him. This is a key to the kingdom of God. You want to you wanna begin to look like Him, walk in His ways? Look at him. Keep looking at him. Boy, I love Brother Dan uh, Gordon this morning in uh, first service. He told on himself a little bit. It was kind of an encouraging word, but, you know, he incriminated himself. He was talking about on his way to men's breakfast yesterday, he got cut off in traffic. And uh, I remember exactly what he What did he let fly? What was it he said? Oh, yeah, yeah. He started flashing his lights at him and, you know, letting him have it. And then the Lord spoke to him. He said, Dan, do not react to life outside of you. React to my life that's inside you. That's fantastic. The life of Christ is on the inside of you. He paid a high price to clean you so he could move inside. He didn't come in there to spectate, right? He's not just cheering you on and all your (laughs) self-effort. He wants to manifest his life. So don't, don't be overtaken by life outside of you, circumstances, but yield to my life that's inside you. Isn't that good? That's really what abiding is. If you're in traffic, include him. If you're in a tough meeting at work, include him. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. He was talking about abiding. So what's he saying? Don't do anything apart from me. About to sit down with a, a family meal? Don't do it without him. And I know he's in you, so are you rightly dividing this? I don't mean he left out of your body somewhere. We lost him. I, he's in there. 
Yeah, your soulish man, participate. Welcome him to the table. Welcome him to the car when you get in the car. I'm telling you, he is a living, righteous, holy spirit. He is alive in the present tense. We are not worshiping historical Jesus out there somewhere. He's alive. Amen, amen, amen. So I just think this is so powerful. What we do not see, we cannot be. We become like that which we behold. So be held by Him. Keep going back. And if you stumble, put your eyes back on Him. Because I venture to say the reason you stumbled is you took your eyes off of Him. Let everything come down. See, here's a great thing. There is a part that we play. Keep things from being elevated or magnified in front of you that gets between you and the Lord. Remember Rachel, the keyboardist, she had a word last Sunday that she shared that that circumstances and all that, we tend to magnify stuff going on around us and no one deserves to be magnified but God. So that's what we're talking about here. Don't Don't magnify all your... Your problems, and man, we, we make the mistake of toiling in human wisdom all the time. We're going to figure all this out. I'm going to stay up long enough. I can figure it out. I'm going to use human wisdom. I remember the Lord, oh, I was just so vexed a couple of years ago. Like, oh, please, Lord. You know, and, and, and I wear my emotions so people can tell if I'm in my head or I'm down about something. They can tell, or if I'm chipper. <laughs> and he's like, Steve, stop toiling in the natural, in man's wisdom, like you're going to somehow figure this out, your answer you're looking for is in me. And that's what we're talking about. Don't magnify this. Let your first response be to look at the Lord. You need a solution. you got a trial going on. Man, go to the Lord. Look to Him. Begin to magnify Him. He inhabits the praise of His people. Then what? In His presence is fullness of joy. Then what? The joy of the Lord is your strength. That's how you get out of the doldrums. Not by swirling the commode of thoughts over and over and over again till somehow you get a flash of human wisdom to figure something out that's only going to make it worse. <laughs> the vortex, yeah. Don't get sucked into the vortex. And can I get a witness? If you're looking at him, you're going to get his perspective. Because did you know one of the definitions of glory, the glory of the Lord, is the view and the opinion of God. If you want a flash of brilliance to figure something out, then look to the glory of God and he'll give you his perspective of what's going on. Come on, somebody give him praise this morning. Ah, goodness. That's good. And here's a little nugget for you if you want to write it down. As you behold the beauty of the Lord, you're going to discover on this journey that Jesus is the right thing to do in every situation. He is the right way to be in every situation. Well, you don't understand, Brother Steve. My wife, you know, cussed me out. What should I do? Jesus is the right thing to do in every situation. That doesn't mean you ignore it, right? It means what's the posture of your heart towards that person when it's time to have your, your, your peace offering. Does that make sense? He's the right way to be in every situation. He is God's total answer to man's total need. So if we're going to make a plan, let's, the plan, step one, look at Jesus. Step two, be held by his glory, his perspective. Number three, remember your true identity. If you're being tempted, 
Remember who you really are and that that satisfying you is the biggest lie of the temptation. That that would somehow fulfill you. So you got to remember sin is not fulfilling. And then remember how much you hate the feelings of separation and shame. Because one of the things I hate about the devil is he tempts you to do it. He tempts you to do it. He tempts you to do it. You do it. Then he accuses you for it. I'm like, dude, this was your idea. (laughs) You're going to condemn me for it. But that's what he does. Because guys, and this is, this is just good and helpful. You're talking about walking in his ways, being Christ-like. If all you do is stare at your sin and your weaknesses, you're going to do them. You'd be like the little five-year-old boy when dad painted the swing set and said, Johnny, don't touch the swing set. The paint is wet. And all he does is sit on the porch and look at the swing set. And then, and then before too long, where is he? If he's not on it, he's touching it and he's walking all around it. He's super close to it. If all we do is say, this is what I shouldn't do. This is the sin I shouldn't commit. This is where I don't want to be. This, then you're going to do it. Look to him. Look, I have a passage for this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Look, lay aside the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race set before us. Verse 2. What do we do? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith and everything in between, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. How about that? The joy that was before him. He kept his eyes right. He endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How do we endure even the life of this world that's all around us? How do we endure? Looking unto Jesus. How do we lay aside sin that easily besets us? Looking unto Jesus. You will not do, guys, what you don't think about. How many of you have been tempted to steal a zebra? You, <laughs> I did change it because I mentioned camel in first service and somebody said, hey, there's a camel on 23rd Street. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Does he? Really? On Hiawassee, I have sowed stealing a camel now into <laughs> the hearts of first service people. <laughs> You're not going to do what you don't think about. So this idea, now listen, there is a place to walk with your brothers and sisters on getting to the root of something, building a plan. But I'm telling you, the plan is Him. The bottom line of it is going to be, i got to get my eyes back on Him. How about truth? So much of what happens in uh, learning circles and those kind of things is you're, there's an exchange. You're trading out the lie for the truth. He is the truth. His Word is truth. The Spirit of truth, He called Him. So when we're worshiping this morning, who are we looking at? We're looking at Him. When the Word comes forth, who are we looking at? We're looking at Him. When we gather together in discovery groups or discipleship groups, you know, small group ministry, 60 plus, whatever, who are we looking at? We're looking at Him. That's why we leave edified. So what's the first thing the enemy wants to do when you leave? Any of those gatherings, get your eyes somewhere else. Because the number one key to walking in His ways as a disciple of Jesus Christ 
is you continue abiding, you stay connected, and you keep looking at Him. Because if you can see Him, you will be transformed to look like Him. So your role in that is keep those barriers down. Don't let the distractions get in there and keep going back to Him. Life's going to happen. It will happen. But you get to make a choice then. Lord, I'm not going to let this take my eyes off of you. You're actually my wisdom. So let me look to you to know how to respond to what life's dealing me. Does that make sense to you? Your best defense is having a good offense. The best defense is having a good offense. Look at this. The kingdom of God is progressive. I mentioned earlier, he wants you to mature. This is part of the process of being a disciple. I'm connected to the vine. I'm born again. Now I'm starting to, to look like him. He wants to conform me to his ways. This is Ezekiel 47.1. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm going to start in verse 3. And when the man went out to the east with the lion in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters. And the water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and it came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through, and the water came up to my waist. And again, he measured 1,000. It was a river that I couldn't cross, for the water was too deep, like over his head, water in which one must swim, a a river that couldn't be crossed. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. So, guys, the Lord is progressive. His kingdom is progressive, advancing maturing, if you will, is his desire for us. So what I see in this is when you're standing in the river at ankle-deep water, you're just serving the Lord on your terms. Nothing's going to happen. You're completely safe. Just a little water here around my ankles. Lord, this feels nice. I've got a few uh, prayer requests I'd like to throw out. Yeah, some favors I'd like to call in if I could. (laughs) And then uh, when the water's to your knees, how many of you know the river is the river of the Spirit? Knee deep, well, you're still in control, but it's a little bit, little bit shaky. How many of you know there's a difference where Jesus is Savior versus Lord? And I love that story Dan Gordon shared because why? Dan wants Jesus to be Lord of his life. He didn't just find reasons, go tell everybody at the men's breakfast why he, you know, flashes lights and yelled at people who cut him off. He wants Jesus to be Lord of his attitude and Lord of his actions. And so that's that progression we're all in. So we're still in control, knee deep, but it's a little shaky. Waist deep, well, you're getting unstable. And if the river comes hard enough, you're very likely to be carried away and no longer in control. And when the water is over your head, well, you are subject now. You are completely subject and at the mercy of the direction of the river. And he can take you where he wants to take you. Amen. Everybody in this room knows that salvation is just the beginning. The kingdom of God is progressive. It is advancing. And this is his desire. Follow me initially. Become a knower. But he's going to conform you to his image. And then this last one, which I'll touch on right here as we close, the works of God. So I mentioned this when we started. So the works right here, the last part of the triangle working the works of God. We don't just exist to know Jesus. We don't just exist to look like Jesus. We exist to connect Him to others. We want to be utilized of the Lord to connect Him to others. And again, this isn't a work of the flesh. Think about if Steve spends a lot of time with the Lord and he lives in the reality of his connection. I don't cause the connection. I choose to live in the reality 
of what he's made available to me. I spend time with him. I become like him. Isn't it possible now that I understand he is the life I want to share with others? He is the life others see in me. This is not a work of the flesh. Tuesday night at 6, I gave somebody a tract and they threw me off their porch. You see what I'm saying? This is Steve living the Christ life. This is not Steve trying super hard to witness to everybody with a bullhorn. Come on. This is when they see me, I want them to see him. How does that happen? Abiding, sitting with him, knowing him, spending time with him, looking at him. Then being conformed to his image by that naturally supernatural process. And now I end up sharing his life with other people. Because guys, listen, if we don't know him, we might pass on to somebody else something that's not him. And he is the prize. He's the prize. I mentioned that song I wrote, I don't know, 18 years ago or so. It was called The Prize, that when I look into your eyes, I see my prize. It was you all along, but I never realized. Because I thought I'm supposed to be doing stuff for him. I'm supposed to be working for him. No, he is everything. Jesus is worth more than any of the benefits you can promise your friends or coworkers about Jesus. Healing is a great benefit. Amen? Prosperity. Uh, he takes care of his finances through your steward. That's a great blessing. His protection. That's a great blessing. But none of that is greater than him. And for your friends and your coworkers to know him and begin to experience him, like I mentioned those two ladies. I feel like I've been in church my whole life, but I now I have finally met Jesus. He's worth everything. He's what it's all about. So it's not a work of the flesh. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. It's that spirit of truth working within us. But God never said in the Garden of Eden, stay here all the time. He didn't say that. He did create us and ask us to take dominion and put him on display. Do you realize that God created the earth to colonize it with his sons and daughters? God is spirit, so he creates a natural realm. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, two distinct realms, but that were supposed to work together. So he creates the physical realm so that we could derive life from out of his spirit and then put it on display on planet earth. So it's not just about hanging out with him. We're here also to put him on display. And Christ in us still desires to make disciples and reproduce his life all over the world today. Let me show uh, Luke 10, 38. I've mentioned this a couple of times, but it's so good. It happened as they went that Jesus entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. That's where Martha's goodwill stops. That's as far as she got. Verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. What's she doing? She's looking at him and she's what? Becoming a knower. I want to know him. Nothing else matters. I don't care if dinner's not ready. He matters. Okay. So verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. She's trying to do all this ministry, but she's forgotten the most important ingredient. Him. Knowing him. His demeanor, his spirit, his character, his attitude. Jesus is not against ministry. He's against anybody elevating ministry over him. Or God forbid the fruit 
of a ministry that we love it more than him. God forbid. So Martha was distracted. She approached Jesus and said this, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? What's she saying? This religious spirit I have, this essence of great duty and obligation I carry in order to please you, she doesn't know she's safe with him. She's not secure. She's working for something. She feels pressure. And when you feel pressure, you will pass it on to somebody. In this case, she's going to pass it on to the Lord himself (laughs) and rebuke him and say, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Therefore, you tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, here it is, double portion, Martha, Martha. Check out everywhere in scripture. He says your name twice. (laughs) It's interesting. He said, you're worried and troubled about many things, but only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. In other words, Martha, I'm not going to enter into your dysfunction and your work of the flesh, even though you're doing it, quote, for me. I'm not entering into that, but I will invite you to enter the rest and the peace that Mary has found in me. He is... The truth. He is what we're looking for. Now, let me say this. He did not say that this was the only part. He said she chose the good part. I promise you, God doesn't desire that any would perish, but that all would come to know him. He, there are people who need to be born again. There are people who need to be discipled. Can I get a witness, guys? I mean, these, these things matter to the Lord, but the preeminent part, the beginning And the ending and the all-in-between part is knowing Him and prioritizing Him as the love of your life. I love... I told the story of Pastor Dwayne Sheriff a couple of weeks ago that he basically died and went to heaven. He had this quintuple bypass from a heart attack thing where his his blood veins were too tiny leading to his heart. And he... What really stuck out to me is in his, his encounter with Jesus. He had a conversation. And it just made me weep and cry uncontrollably. But Jesus never asked him one thing about what he was doing here. Like, how much work are you doing for me? Come on, Brother Dwayne, can't we plant another church? Can't we do more? What's going on? Why didn't you do this? He exuded love. And Dwayne was taken by his person, his presence. Does Does that make sense to you? Man, that's what heaven is about to me is him. And if you think about heaven, and I guess all of us do it sometime, and it doesn't include Him, I think you need to rethink your Christianity. What I mean by that is, if all you can think about is how many stars you're getting in your crown, how many crowns do you think you've accumulated, you need to read Revelation because we're all taking them to the same place at His feet. We will all lay it because any good work that was actually an accomplished, fruitful work came from Him operating through you. Amen? So heaven's going to be about engaging Him. Gavin, you guys can come. Meeting up with Him. We don't exist to just love God with all our heart, but we also exist to love our neighbor. And if you only take the King, you'll have a personalized gospel that affects you, yes, but you might forget about the plight of the rest of the world. And that's not our Lord. He does love them. (laughs) 
even when we don't. Amen? (laughs) People talk about love all the time and the love of God. God is easy to love. It's people that are a challenge. Amen? If you take the king, yes, you'll have a personalized gospel and intimacy in those things, and great things can come out of that. But if you forget about the kingdom, you'll forget about the plight of the rest of the world. Who needs to discover who you discovered? Amen. But if all you do is take the kingdom, all it is about running out, we got to go do it, we got to... You might miss him. And he is the good part. He is the preeminent part. Will you stand with me? Boy, that's powerful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, Come unto me. But in Matthew twenty eight nineteen, He said, Go and disciple. He cares about both. That's what we want here. We want balanced followers. You're strong in your relationship with God. That's up. You're strong in community. That's in. You're strong in out. You care about the plight of others. You abide in Him. You walk in His ways. You work His works. Balance. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you've never received the very life of Jesus Christ into your heart, I want to invite you to do that. It's the greatest decision a human being can make. If you'd say, Steve, I have never received the living spirit of Jesus Christ into my heart, but I want to do that today. It starts with me today. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and say, pray for me. Anyone, I want to be born again, born of his spirit. Gather church, if you just open your hands with me, let's just pray together here this morning. Lord Jesus, one of the things I love about you is that you graciously and compassionately pour the love of your heart into ours. Would you continue to conform us to your image? Would you continue to work out this process we call salvation and sanctification, whereby we look more and more like you? I know we don't cause it, but we do consent to it. And then, Lord, would you also, by your compassion, break our hearts with the things that break yours. May we love well, but we can only learn love from looking at you, the author and finisher of our faith. You're the one who began the work. You're the one that will complete the work. The Father is mature believers, at least those on the journey, we consent to this transformation. We consent, Lord, to this transformation. That it would be true about us. It's no longer us that live, but Christ that lives in us and through us and as us. Father, build in this place and in our hearts what you want built would you help us to keep our veil down to keep the distractions in between you and us down we love you our heart is yours come on in Jesus name everybody said amen amen if you need prayer You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community.